Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. As you're considering your plans for this new year, we wanted to let you know TBC will be embarking on a Journeys of Paul tour July 7th through 16. We'll step into history and walk where the Apostle Paul walked as we visit Philippi, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, and many other meaningful locations. This tour will bring the scriptures to life with worship services and Bible studies with Pastor Jim. You can learn more at thevillagechapel.com tour. This week, we continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. Now, here's Pastor Jim. Mark 11 continues with an amazing teaching from Jesus about prayer, and I think it's probably one of the most misunderstood teachings about prayer in our own day and time, and perhaps back then as well. It comes on the heels of what we described as a Markin sandwich in the previous episode, that is um, Jesus cursing a fig tree that didn't have any fruit on it, uh, should have at least had the, the pagium, the little nodules of the early fruit. Didn't even have that, but it was in full leaf. And it then he goes into Jerusalem and it represented, that, that fig tree with no fruit represented the fruitless faith that Jesus saw in the temple. And then he started driving out the money changers, turning over tables, driving out all of the people that were uh, taking advantage of the poor, making it hard for people to come and to worship the Lord or making it harder for them to do that. And uh, and then Jesus coming back out of Jerusalem with his disciples as they passed by that same fig tree that Jesus had cursed. We ended the last episode with Peter making uh, that sort of exclamatory remark, Rabbi, behold, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And so again, I make the, the same point I made in the previous episode that Jesus um, by right of creation, owning everything, all of creation, used a tree that wasn't very healthy to begin with. It didn't have any nodules on it. It was on its way to decay anyway. He just sped up the process and used it uh, as an illustration of the of the fruitless faith of the religious leadership of his time that he saw in the temple. Well, coming right out on the heels of that, um, Jesus answered Peter, who who was, again, ex- noticing the, the withered tree and making a comment about it. And Jesus said this, have faith in God. We could we could go for a while on those four words alone. That could be um, an entire week of podcasts. Have faith in God. We have faith in so many other things. Um, and, and how do I know that? Well, because watch what happens when you get really disappointed that your team lost or really you know, frustrated about the outcome of an election. And I always tell people, if you either despair or gloat at the end of an election, you probably cared too much about it, put too much faith in politics. Because mm. the answers aren't there. The answers aren't in anything temporal or finite. The answers that we really need for a flourishing life and a flourishing faith are to turn our faith in the direction of Jesus, to hope and trust in him. And so he says it this way, have faith in God. And of course, later he says, um, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That is, 
Jesus is God. And Mark is those two questions. I've talked about it over and over again. He seems to implicitly, he seems to be asking and wanting us to answer, who is Jesus? Who do you say he is? Who is Jesus? And then secondly, how should you respond to Jesus? And here, Jesus gives us at least part of that answer when he says, have faith in God. That's it. You should put your faith in this God of the Bible. And uh, ultimately, you can connect the dots and, and Jesus is also going to say, have faith in me. Truly, I say to you, Jesus says, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted you. It sounds like, doesn't it? Jesus is essentially saying, it's magic. Just rub the lamp and say the right words and you'll get what you want. Let's finish the text. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. For, uh, and this is amazing. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your transgressions. Isn't that interesting that he's connecting forgiveness to this interesting teaching about having faith and believing as you're praying? That's really fascinating. All on the heels of, and connected to um, this li- this living parable uh, with the fig tree thing and the and the the fruitless faith of those in the temple. It's really interesting to me. I love the way this passage hangs together and those four words right in the middle have faith in God. I think that's the heart of the matter here. And then verse 26, which is in parentheses in your English Bible, most English Bibles anyway, it certainly is in mine. Um, And the reason it's in parentheses is because it's not in all of the ancient manuscript copies. It's in some, but not all. It'll say in your margin somewhere, if if it's in parentheses, it'll say uh, many manuscripts do not contain verse 26. I appreciate the English translators of our Bibles being honest about that and saying that, you know, letting us know it's not in all of the ancient manuscript. That means I can trust them, uh, these English translators of our Bibles. Uh, By the way, what is said here in verse 26 is said pretty clearly in Matthew uh, chapter 6, I think it's verse 14 and 15, right in there. And it's not in parentheses there. So in other words, um, what is in Mark eleven twenty six is also in Matthew 6, and it's not in parentheses there. So it is in all of the ancient manuscript copies of Matthew's gospel. And if you were to leave it out, there's nothing that it would take away from the gospel itself, the essence of the gospel. But here's what it says. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. Um, That's just right there, a really clear statement from Jesus. But all connected, this forgiveness 
and uh, the, the sort of call for us to forgive others, to be agents of God's grace, reflecting that which we've received, connecting that with the way that we pray and the way that we pray in faith, believing. And those four interesting words that he began the entire thing with, um, right there in verse 22, have faith in God. Um, That means so much. Those four words mean so much. Jesus elsewhere will talk about praying in his name. And uh, the faith, the prayer of faith, that is, whatever you ask in my name, he'll say, that means to align your mind and your heart, your desires, your will, your um, your wishes to align all of who you are with all of who he is because his name doesn't just mean use the name Jesus and tag it onto the end of your prayer like a talisman, some kind of little uh, rabbit's foot as if, it, if you rub that and say, in Jesus' name, then somehow or another, you're gonna be able to say whatever it is you want and it's gonna be yours as long as you believe. How do I know this? Well, let me try it. Okay. Let me, let me try it the other way. Let me, let me, let me pretend as if you just can name it, claim it, and frame it, that your words will speak it into being, that whatever I say in the next few minutes here, next couple seconds, um, God, as my cosmic concierge, must do uh, and and has to give me. All right, I want to lose 10 pounds right now. Well, didn't work. Uh, I want to be 10 years younger right now. No, didn't work. All right, I want to win the lotto this month and I promise to tithe 10%. Uh, No. Uh, I want to have 10,000 subscribers more than I have yesterday to this podcast. Eh, probably not going to happen. I want to become rich and famous for Jesus. If I, if I just say for Jesus, is that what it takes? Is that what it means? No, that didn't work. I wonder why. You see, moving mountains that Jesus talks about here, was a familiar phrase actually to first century Jews. To them, it simply meant to remove difficulties while expounding and interpreting scripture. Those who were good at removing difficulties were known as uprooters or pulverizers of mountains. Jesus never meant for this to be taken literally. Jesus himself never moved a physical mountain. The apostle Paul never moved a mountain. None of the popes down through history never moved a mountain. Mother Teresa never moved a mountain. Neither, if you want to go Protestant, neither did Martin Luther, neither did John Calvin. They've never moved a mountain. What Jesus meant was that well-directed faith, well-placed faith, and trusting faith, believing faith, that is, in accordance with his name, faith. That is the kind of faith that will indeed remove 
difficulties, at least in our heads, in our hearts, with our understanding of who God is. And more often than not, the thing that gets changed, the thing that gets moved in those kinds of prayers is me. It's not just circumstances around me. So rather than reducing prayer to magic and superstition, the equivalent of rubbing a genie's lamp, expecting the angel of God to come out in a puff of smoke, awaiting your orders uh, and, and ready to do your list of things that you've written out, your wishes, your ambitions, your take care of your anxieties, whatever. Um, you can pray, Jesus says, and it can start to move mountains inside of you and remove difficulties in your relationship with God and even produce the fruit of the Spirit. See, for some of us, that would be amazing if we actually started praying in his name about some of the real difficulties that we have. What do I mean? Well, here's what I mean. What if you have trouble with your temper and God were to get a hold of you and get you to start praying about your temper. It would be like moving a mountain for you to start becoming uh, a, a more even-tempered person, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you find that you're always negative and you can't ever say a nice or a kind word about anyone, and you go to God in prayer asking him to change your heart I bet he'll start doing that and moving that mountain. And if you've ever felt like a victim ever since some horrible injustice was done to you, um, or if you've been wounded by some broken relationship, or you've stumbled over and over and over again because of some addiction, or you just keep losing jobs and can't hold jobs, Placing your faith in the God of grace means that the mountains like that that block you from moving forward in Christ can indeed be moved. Not in your or my limited strength, but by the power of the infinitely wonderful, generous God of the universe. When self-righteousness, hypocrisy, and selfish ambition rule our lives, our temple is in need of some cleansing, just like the temple in Jesus' day. When our religion is only about what will make us happy, wealthy, and popular, not what will make us holy, then it's not the Christian faith at all. It's just our own religion, and we're worshiping the God of self but the God of the Bible, see, he's in the business of making us better people, more holy people. And he desires to see the fruit of righteousness in our lives. We've got to get rid of those things that crowd out true and honest worship, like turning over some of those tables um, and, and removing some of those obstacles to worship. We need to leave our lust for fame, fortune, and control behind. We need to drive it out of the temple. We need to leave greed for more and more and more. And how about a little bit more? And certainly at least a little bit more than the next guy. How about 
we leave that behind and get back to the kind of prayer that will result in the bearing of spiritual fruit in our lives. Maybe we become a more generous giver. Maybe we begin to even give away out of our own need, give away what we need. You walk into church, nobody ever says hi to me. How about you give away what you want or what you need? And you become the host and not the guest. That's the kind of change. That's the kind of mountain moving change that the Lord can do in our lives. All right, let me give you a list of things. When people say, does prayer work? Um, I'm a little bothered by that. I don't know what you mean by work. And maybe I need to explore a little bit more what you mean by prayer if if you were to uh, if we were to have a little dialogue about prayer uh, over a coffee or something like that I would I, I would say this prayer works and I'm gonna I'm gonna run a list okay so and this list will be in the show notes so if you want this list you're welcome to have it prayer works when it gives us a greater sense of the majesty and glory of God prayer works when it leads us to a sharper sense of God's presence in our life. Prayer works when it leads us to true repentance and confession of sin. Yeah. Prayer works when it arouses in us an awesome sense of the forgiving grace of God. How amazing that is. Prayer works when it engenders profound thanks for every day that we live and makes us realize that life is a gift to be received with gratitude and a race to be run with courage. Prayer works when it leads us to pray for others' needs and others' wants and desires and well-being. Prayer works when it propels us to action on behalf of the weak and vulnerable and we serve, and we give. Prayer works when it leads us to new, renewed, restored discipline in our Christian pilgrimage. Prayer works when along with our asking for our needs to be met, we spend time communing with Jesus, with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, lifting up the empty hands of faith, receiving from him, listening as well as speaking, confessing our sins, telling God how much we love him, how beautiful he is, how wonderful he is to us. Mm. That's when prayer works for me. This uh, is all on the heels, of course, of this agricultural Markin sandwich with the fig tree and the image of the fruitless faith in the temple. And Jesus is driving that home when he talks about prayer and wants us to have a fruitful prayer life. And so that's important for all of us. Um, another agricultural metaphor that's used of our life in God by Jesus is when he talks about um, uh, us being branches and he's the vine, if you will. Um, and he'll, it, that's in uh, John chapter 15, if you want to look it up yourself. I love this quote by uh, James Hudson Taylor, not James Taylor, the singer-songwriter, but, but uh, 
uh, Hudson Taylor, he's often referred to, and I think that's uh, helpful. But um, he said this, the branch of the vine does not worry and toil and rush here to seek for sunshine and there to find rain. No, it rests in union and communion with the vine. And at the right time and in the right way is the right fruit found on it. Let us so abide in the Lord Jesus. So in your prayer life, in my prayer life, we need to commune more with God. Don't come to God just as a consumer trying to get what you want out of God, like he's some kind of cosmic vending machine. Although I, I will say he so generously invites us to come with our requests and to make them known to him. He wants you to do that. Yes, come to him but commune with him as well. That's one of the most beautiful aspects of prayer. Spiritual fruitfulness looks like heartfelt worship, communion, surrendered prayer, vigorous godliness, self-sacrificial, self-giving service to God and to others and to God's purposes and his kingdom unfolding in this world in which we live. It looks like trusting God, believing his promises that are ours in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are, and thank you for who you are making us. Lord, what we cannot see, I pray that you would show us. What we don't know, I pray that you would teach us. And what we are not in our hearts, in our affections, Lord, I pray that you would make us, renew us, restore us, Lord, as we repent and as we come before you, confessing our sins, confessing our weakness, confessing our inconsistency. Oh, Holy Spirit, do a good work in all of us and in every one of us and send us out into the world today. Um, uh, to join you in the work that you are doing, to see your kingdom come and your will be done. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's word is unique in its source timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.